0: What wonder of wonders, what love is this that cry? Then the love of Christ
1: Good morning and welcome to First Baptist Church of Wixom. Thank you for joining us for worship today. Here are a few upcoming events to help you stay connected.
2: We are planning a special men's breakfast and time of worship on Tuesday, October 10th at 6 a.m. This will be a great time of delicious food and fellowship. Don't miss this special start to the day with other Christian brothers. You can sign up for this event at the table on the link. Weather permitting, we are planning to take our church-wide picture next Sunday, October 1st, after the AM worship. Please plan to stay for just a few extra minutes as we gather on the north side of the gym for a quick photo.
1: Just a reminder, there are no community group gatherings tonight. Community groups will resume next Sunday at 6 p.m. If you would like to sign up for a community group, please visit fbcwixom.org forward slash community groups for more information.
2: In just a few minutes, we will be dismissing children four years to the third grade at the back of the auditorium to our junior church ministry. While there, they will enjoy a great time as they sing songs, play games, and hear a message from God's Word prepared just for them. Giving is one of the many ways we have to worship the Lord. If you'd like to give financially, you can utilize the giving box in the back of the auditorium, or you can give online at fbcwixen.org and click on the tab at the top of the page.
1: If this is your first time at FBC, we would love to connect with you. If you'd like more information about FBC, prayer, or to learn how you can get involved, you can fill out a connections card online at fbcwixom.org forward slash connect. Also, make sure to stop by the Welcome Center for a special gift after the service. Once again, thank you for joining us for worship today. Now we invite you to worship the Lord through song as we prepare to hear from God's word this morning.
3: Good morning, everyone. It is great to see you today. Welcome to First Baptist Church for our morning worship hour. Yesterday was a big day here. We uh, had uh, examination an ordination examination for Johnny Martin. We'll be talking about that a little bit more uh, throughout the morning this morning. But uh, yesterday was also the city of Wixom's block party, and I want to say thank you to several people Who spent the day down there handing out church information, sharing the gospel with others, and just being a handshake with our community. Thank you for doing that. One of the things that they were doing yesterday was inviting kids to participate in our Truth Tracker ministry on Wednesday night. And um, it's a good reminder for us that we're a little short-handed on Wednesday nights. So if you are willing to help out, uh, particularly this week, this Wednesday, we have a few of our volunteers that are out of town. And if you are willing to help out with tooth checkers, that would be a great blessing. If you can do it for one week, great. If you want to join the team of volunteers on a weekly basis, we could use you for that as well. So please let Johnny Martin know or Mike Murdy know if you are willing to help out with Truth Trackers. So good to have you here. Looking forward to a really great day of worship. Thank you for that great music already. What a blessing. Our boast is in Jesus Christ. We want to lift him up today. This is his day. We want to honor him in everything we do and say. So let's pray together to that end. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for... The tradition of this church to gather together every Sunday morning at this time to lift up Jesus. Thank you for giving us your word. Thank you for the confidence that we can have that we hold the very words of God, the truth, the life-changing power of your words in our lap. Help us today as we look into your word, as we study it, as we talk about it, as we read it and meditate on it, that it would change us. Lord, help us to be wise As Jesus described, the wise man who not only heard what Jesus had to say, but did it and committed his life to do that, may our our lives and our church be built upon a rock, solid foundation that can withstand the storms of life. Thank you that today we can lift up our Savior and thank you that because of him, we have access to you, our Heavenly Father, and we have hope of eternal life and forgiveness from our sins. We're so grateful for these things. We ask that you would bless us today. Help us. To glorify you and unite together with one another today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. What a privilege it is to be able to work in the kingdom of Christ, amen, to be a part of his servants. But we understand that if there's anything good that we can have in this world or do in this world or offer in this world, it's only through Jesus Christ and what he's done in us. This song talks about that. Not I, but Christ be honored, loved, and exalted. Let's stand together as we sing.
0: A oh, no. see
3: Amen. Thank you, Dan. What a great song about the morning that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, conquering the grave, conquering sin and death on our behalf. What a great song. Thank you for that. As the kids go today, I just want to give you a quick heads up. At the end of our morning gathering this morning, we're going to have a business meeting. Normally, at the end of our services when we have a business meeting, We give you an opportunity, if you're a guest, to go out if you would like, but today's business meeting is a little bit different. I'd like to have everybody stay, if you can, please. It'll be very brief, but it's an important part of church life here today, and really throughout the morning, this morning, we're going to talk about that conversation that we'll have at the end of our meeting. Brandon, would you please pull me down just a little bit? I'm echoing up here. Thank you. So yesterday, as I mentioned, one of our men, a member of our pastoral leadership team that we refer to as the PLT, Johnny, uh, one of those members, was examined yesterday for ordination to gospel ministry as a pastor. We had a council of four pastors here who recommended unanimously that the church ordain Johnny today for gospel ministry. I wanted to explain this morning to be very careful that we understand what this is. This is an official qualification for future ministry, for Johnny to be qualified to be a pastor, to be the pastor here someday, to be an associate pastor here someday, to be a pastor elsewhere someday in the Lord's timing. But none of those things are happening Today, That's not what we're talking about today. Johnny is not seeking to become the pastor of this church. He's not seeking to pastor another church just yet. He's not being promoted to associate pastor of this church today. Johnny is what we call here by policy a director of ministry. Holden and Jeremy and Johnny are all at what we call the director level of the pastoral leadership team. This is someone who is ordained or unordained. ...that is selected and supervised by our senior pastor in ministry. Conversely, the pastor or associate pastors, which we don't have right now, just me, the senior pastor, is selected and employed directly by the church. I answer to you, those guys answer directly to me. Someday, one or all of these men might be promoted to the role of associate pastor of the church... But for now, Johnny's role and position at FBC stays the same. What changes is his qualification for future ministry, and um, we get to refer to him publicly now with the title of pastor if we want to. Now, some of you do it all the time already, but this gives us an opportunity to do that. It's not wrong for you to refer to any of these guys as pastor. They do pastoral work, um, but this uh, allows for us to do so publicly. This is a big deal for a couple of reasons. As I mentioned, it it qualifies one of our young men for future ministry at at a deeper level. But because it represents something very special for us, yesterday and today is a really big day for our church. It's really important for us because of what it means to the church. The church, you, are reproducing leaders. And this is a really Good thing. This is what the church is supposed to be doing. Paul said to Timothy in First Timothy three and verse one. This is a true saying. If a man desires the office of bishop, he desires a good work. Jesse, can you put that slide up there for us so we can see that? First Timothy three one. If he desires the office of bishop, if he desires the position of a pastor, he desires a good work. And yesterday we were confirming johnny's desire to pastor god's people and to review his qualifications for such a task i want to just read with you two passages of scripture hang with me it's a it's it's a little bit lengthy but these are the qualifications for pastors in scripture first timothy chapter three verse two a bishop or pastor then must be blameless the husband of one wife vigilant sober of good behavior given to hospitality apt to teach "...not given to wine, not a striker, not greedy of filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous, one that rules well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being filled, lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil." I I wanted to read that for you today, and I'm going to read another passage from Titus chapter 1 in just a moment, because I want you to see that these men that are raising up as leaders within the church, they qualify according to biblical qualifications. This is really important, that men are identified, selected, and encouraged who follow these qualifications. Here's what Paul said in Titus chapter 1 when he was writing to Titus to select men to lead the churches in Crete. For this cause I left thee in Crete that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting and ordain elders or pastors in every city as I had appointed thee. If any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly. For a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, not a striker, not given to filthy lucre, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. So yesterday, several of you were here to watch the examination, and it was such a joy to hear Johnny defend his doctrinal statement, his understanding of Scripture. It was also a joy for us to reflect on the man that Johnny is among us. I want you just to think about this for just a minute. Because a young man could come from an impressive pedigree of Bible scholars. He could be raised in a godly home. He could go to school and get impressive degrees. He could preach with a golden tongue. But if he cannot set an example of godly living, he will never be an effective church leader. Are you with me? Like we want men and women... In leadership in this church to set an example of godly living. And it's such a joy to be able to watch our young men and say, here's one that is setting an example of godly living already. Yesterday, as we gathered together, um, we were with Pastor Don McGee from Lakes Bible Church, Pastor John Anderson from a church in McDonough, Georgia, a friend of Johnny's, Pastor Steve Silverston, who's here today, who's also a longtime friend of Johnny's, and then myself. And they recommended unanimously, this group recommended unanimously, that we ordain Johnny today. But before we do that, I want to um, talk with you about a really important biblical principle. And I think that yesterday uh, and the business meeting today serve as a great object lesson for something that we should be doing. We're going to look at a passage of scripture today in 2 Timothy chapter 2 where Paul describes for Timothy a really challenging task for the church. It's challenging, but the long-term health of the church rests on our obedience to this task. Did you hear that? The long-term health of the church rests on our obedience to this task. Will we obey? Paul is writing to a young man named Timothy. He's been mentoring Timothy, not only in his faith, but also in his ministry. Timothy is mentioned several times in the New Testament, almost always in a very positive light. Paul met Timothy as a young man, probably just a teenager, on his second missionary journey. Apparently, when Paul was in Asia Minor on his first missionary journey, he had given the gospel to Timothy's mother and grandmother. On his second missionary journey, as he reviews through these churches, he meets this young teenage guy named Timothy who is fervent about his relationship with the Lord and his desire to serve the church. In Acts chapter 16, it says, Then he, Paul, came to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewess, and believed But his father was a Greek, which was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. Him would Paul have to go forth with him. So Paul meets this young man and he sees in this young man a love for Jesus. He sees a gifting for ministry. He sees a love for other people. And he says, you, Timothy, need to come with us. It's going to be rough. We might die, we're probably going to get thrown in jail, it's going to be rough, but you need to come with us. And you know probably the rest of the story that Timothy serves with Paul the rest of Paul's life as a faithful helper. In fact, Paul, as you remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 1, had a model of ministry that looked like a chain of discipleship. He said, Jesus is leading, he's my head, he's my Lord, he's the master, I follow him, but you should follow me as I follow Christ. And as you follow me, following Christ, you should recruit other people to follow you. This is the New Testament model of discipleship. And Timothy did this in an amazing way, actually. Here's Paul's words in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons, I warn you, for though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have ye not many fathers, for in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Paul said, I gave you the gospel of Jesus Christ. Wherefore, I beseech you, be ye followers of me. Then he says something interesting. He says, for this cause have I sent unto you Timothy who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways, which be in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. Timothy faithfully carried out the mission of Paul when Paul couldn't be there in person. And he must have really been good at this. He must have done an outstanding job because it happened all over the place. Here's First Thessalonians chapter 3. Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left at Athens alone and sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God, and fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith. Paul not only mentored Timothy in his faith, but he mentored Timothy so that he could strengthen the faith of others when Paul couldn't be there. Here's Philippians chapter 2. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy shortly unto you that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state, for all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ's. But you know the proof of him that as a son with the father, he has served with me in the gospel. Paul says Timothy is a like minded man. Hear what he has to say. And Timothy is totally motivated by the spiritual health of the churches. He's selfless and he will not seek his own. He seeks the priorities of Jesus instead. And he showed himself faithful to Paul and to Jesus. So when we get to 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2, Paul says, Timothy, listen, you need to hear something very clearly because you've been given a gift. You've been mentored for ministry. You're prepared. You're ready. But you have a job to do, and that is to create leaders behind you, Timothy. So I loved reviewing through these passages this last week, thinking about the activities of yesterday. And today and thinking about uh, johnny's ordination because i get so much joy out of being with our pastoral leadership team with jeremy and holden and johnny they encourage me in my walk and i hopefully encourage them in their walk with jesus christ but what a joy to serve with three young men who seek the priorities of jesus not their own amen that's the kind of leader we want to have that seek the priority of jesus who are faithful to the lord who are faithful to their pastor and who are faithful to the church. So this morning, I asked them to come and sing a special song with us that really captures what we're all about. That is that it's about Jesus Christ. All of the songs today have been about our Savior. Today is not about a man or a group of men. It is about the fact that we have everything we need in Christ alone.
0: In Christ alone my hope is found. He is my life, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are still, when striving cease. My comforter, my all in all, Here in the love of Christ I stand. There in the ground His body lay, Light of the world by darkness slain, Then bursting forth in glorious day, from the grave he rose again, and as he stands in victory, since curse has lost its grip on me, for I am his and he is mine, bought by the precious blood of The power of Christ in me From life's prescribed to final breath Jesus commands my destiny No power of hell, no scheme of man Can ever pluck me from his hand Till he returns or calls me home Here is the power of Christ I'll Here in the power of Christ I'll stand Here in the power of Christ
3: I'll stand Amen. Thank you guys. Appreciate that. And I appreciate your testimony that in the power of Christ we intend, the four of us intend, to stand together and serve him faithfully. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verses 1 and 2 this morning is what we'd like to speak about for the next few minutes. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verses 1 and 2. You're probably very familiar with these verses where it says this. Thou therefore, my son, Timothy, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses The same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Would you take a minute and pray with me this morning as we go to the word? Father, thank you for the privilege that we have to enter into your presence. Only because of Jesus and his forgiveness. Lord, so many times we're tempted to come to this moment where we're in your presence and we have your word and we think about your son. We come casually, too casually to this moment. Help us to see you for who you are. Help us to worship you. Help us to take seriously your commands. Help us to be a people who are changed by your truth today. Thank you that we can stand in the power of Christ alone. We pray these things in his name. Amen. I want you to see just very simply a couple of things about this passage And first of all, that Paul had sons in the faith. Paul had sons in the faith. We read that phrase a couple of times this morning in the passages we've already looked at. at. But here's what I want you to see, that this reference to Timothy was not just a one-off. This was not just something that he thought of to say. This was actually Paul's way of doing ministry, that he thought of himself as needing to reproduce himself that his faith needed to be passed on to a new generation, that his ministry needed to be passed on to a new generation. And so he introduces Timothy and Titus this way, and he calls them his own sons in the faith. You see, Paul was not interested in his ministry ending with him. He was laser-focused on the next generation. And here's what I want to show you this morning and for sake of time, we will not have time to explore all of the passages on this. So you'll have to trust me to some degree. But this philosophy of Paul is the philosophy of Jesus. It is the philosophy of the New Testament that each follower of Christ would make more followers of Christ. Jesus says to his disciples, follow me and I will make you what? Fishers of men, or in other words, if you follow me, I'm going to teach you how to find other people to follow me. This doesn't end with you, 12. This should go out to the entire world. This is the way that we serve Jesus Christ. We reach another generation of believers. It's a real joy for me, as I mentioned earlier to work with men in their 20s and 30s because they've got a lot of life and a lot of ministry ahead of them. It is also a real joy to see some of our our teenagers stepping up and volunteering for leadership and learning ministry and learning learning to serve more deeply. I just want you to think about who's next. Who's next? Do you think ever about the fact that the best-case scenario is that the next group of pastors come from this church? Think about the young men for just a minute. No doubt I'll miss somebody. I hope I don't make anybody mad, but just think about some names that I pray over. Titus and Enzo and Brady and Luke and Jackson and Benjamin and Matthew and Wendt and Joey and Dean and Wade and Joshua and Robbie and Preston and James and Finn and Grayson and Rhett and Tommy. That's a bunch of little guys that run around this church who we should be praying over, who we should be encouraging, who we should be doing exactly what Paul did to Timothy. Hey, I see within you a love for Jesus and a love for others and a gifting for ministry, and I want to cheer you on. Use those things to serve the church. This is the job of everyone. I was told recently, and it grieves me a little bit to have heard this, I was told recently, here's here's a quote, a direct quote, this discipleship thing It isn't for everybody. This discipleship thing, it isn't for everybody. And I told the person who said this, you know what, you're right. It's just for believers. But it's for every believer. Every believer. Jesus made it very clear. This is your job. Make disciples. That's it. That was the number one thing. Make disciples of all nations and then integrate them into church life and then teach them everything that I've commanded you. Paul said in Titus Titus, you as the pastor need to speak the things which become sound doctrine. What things, Paul, become sound doctrine? That the aged men and that the aged women set an example and teach the younger men and the younger women how to live their life for the honor of Jesus Christ. This is the job of every believer. This is God's way. The older generation preparing the next generation. This is what Israel failed to do so many times. You know the Old Testament history. They would rediscover the truth. Somebody would dig out the book of the law out of the rubble in the temple. And they'd say, oh, here's what God says. Let's obey it. And they would have this great spiritual revival in that generation. And then the next generation would forget God. And it happened over and over and over again. Not just to the nation, but this happened in the lives of individuals. Let me give you a couple of examples. Jacob failed at mentoring his own sons. Saul tried to kill David rather than mentor him. Eli and Samuel failed to mentor their families. David failed to raise up any quality leaders behind him. Israelite leadership did this in general. All throughout their history, they were bad at reaching the next generation with the same passion they had to follow God. But there were some good examples. I want you to think about Moses. Remember, Moses mentored a man named Joshua. Elijah mentored Elisha. In the New Testament, Jesus mentored the Twelve. Barnabas mentored Paul. Paul uh, mentored Timothy and Titus. Aquila and Priscilla mentored a man named Apollos. Peter mentored John Mark. This is the biblical model for spiritual success in God's people. Everybody finds somebody to disciple in their faith. And not just disciple them in their faith, but mentor them for ministry. Paul had sons in the faith. The model of scripture is that all of us would be mentoring others and bringing them along. Number two, Paul intentionally encouraged the faith of Timothy. I want you to see this also in verse number 1. Be strong in the grace, he says, that is in Christ Jesus. Be strong in the grace. In Second Timothy, he does this even more clearly when he says, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith in you, which was first in your grandmother and your mother, and I am persuaded that in thee also, wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God. Timothy, don't forget what you've been given, don't forget your faith, don't forget the grace, don't forget the opportunities that you've been given. This was Paul's passion. This was his priority for everyone, spiritual growth. And you can see this actually in the way that he prays. Paul does not record prayers for people's physical healing or financial blessing. He records prayers like this in Philippians to discern what to love and to understand how to love it, to be real Christians, to learn to approve the best things, to be filled with the fruits of righteousness, to pursue God's will, to walk worthy of the Lord, to be actively doing good works, to increase in the knowledge of God, to gain strength as a joyful Christian. I mean, there's just this incredible long list that Paul says, this is how I pray for you. Parents, how are we praying for our children? Our priority should be these things, that they would grow in their faith and that they would be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. But how do we usually pray? Usually we think about problems we've got, right? And we ask this Lord, would you take care of the problem? Would you deal with the bad guys, whoever they are? Would you take away the pain, right? But what do we learn in Romans chapter 8, verse 29? You remember Romans chapter 8, verse 28, right? For we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. But Romans chapter 8, verse 29, he said, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestine to be what? Conformed to the image of his son. The whole purpose of things working together for good is that we might conform to the image of Jesus Christ. By the way, everything that we do should be about seeing others conform to the image of Jesus Christ. Everything. Everything. Someone asked me recently, Brad, why do you let the younger men preach as often as they do? And it was a, it was a good good question. I had to think about it for a second because I thought, I wonder what you all think. Like, when Brad's sitting there and listening to the guys preach, you're thinking, wow, what a, what a nice gig he's got, right? He just delegates and people just do his stuff for him. He doesn't have to study or do anything. What a great, comfortable gig, Um, But I want you to understand that's not the point, okay? It's not a week off. It's actually about the spiritual health and development for them and for you. The whole body being fitly joined together that it might more effectively hold up the head Jesus, which we're told is the whole goal, that we would hold up the head Jesus as the the, the example for all of us that we might be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, that we might all grow in the grace of that is in Christ Jesus. This is what it is all about. It's what it's all about. In fact, you should just look at the things that we do. What do we do as a ministry? The music that we sing, does it lift up Jesus? The school that we invest in, does it promote Jesus in the lives of young people? The Sunday school classes that we teach, does it ele- do they elevate Jesus? Does the preaching elevate Jesus? It is all about him growing in the grace of That is in Christ Jesus. So Paul was mentoring others in their faith and ministry. He was intentionally encouraging the faith of his mentees. But thirdly, he challenged Timothy to mentor others as he was being mentored. To pass it on in verse number two. The things you have heard among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. You see, last week we talked about the characteristic of God in the albums of worship series that we're going through, and we talked about the fact that God is the revealer. God is the one who has the truth, and he's chosen to give us the truth through his creation, through his son, through his word. God has revealed himself, and he's given us truth. And to some men, they've been given the responsibility to take that truth and to give it to others so that they might do what? Live it and give it to others. To pass the truth down from generation to generation. Paul was not interested in his ministry ending with his disciples. He was not even interested in his ministry ending with his disciples. Disciples. He was talking to Timothy here about his great grandchildren in the Lord. Timothy, I want you to teach others so that they can teach others so that they can teach others. Actively wanting his fish, if you use the metaphor of Jesus, to go fishing. I want the fish to go fishing. I want the disciples to make disciples. It sounds a lot like Jesus. This is so important to the spiritual health of God's people. It is so important. Let me give you a little bit of a lengthy illustration of this in the Old Testament. When Joshua became the leader of the children of Israel, Things looked really good, really good. You remember Joshua, right? So Joshua just basically says, hey, priest, put your feet in the water. Jordan splits. We're just walking across, no problem. We'll put up a little monument here to God, and we'll just go look for somebody to conquer. There's Jericho. Lord, what do you want us to do? Walk around seven times. I'll knock the walls down. You guys will be fine. Knocks the walls down. They're fine. I mean, Joshua is on a roll as a leader. He's been mentored by Moses and the people buy into his leadership. What he says goes. Here's Joshua chapter 1 verse 16. And the people answer Joshua saying, all that you command us, we will do, Joshua. And wherever you send us, we will go. According as we hearken unto Moses in all things, we will hearken unto you. Only the Lord thy God be with thee as he was with Moses. Whosoever he be that doth rebel against thy commandment and will not hearken unto thy words and all that thou commandest us, he shall be put to death. Only be strong and of good courage. In Joshua chapter 24, it says, And Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that overlived Joshua and which had known all the works of the Lord that he did for Israel. Joshua was on a roll. Things were really good for Joshua. He was talking to the commander of the Lord of hosts, God was giving him instructions. He was obeying and he was going. Do you remember who he was mentoring for leadership? He wasn't. Who took the leadership after Joshua? No one. The nation of Israel fell into complete chaos. The next book in the Bible is what? Judges. And in Judges, what did they do? Every man did what was right in his own eyes. Joshua fumbled the ball. He fumbled the baton. The next generation totally forgot God. Here's Judges chapter 2, verse 8. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died being a hundred and ten years old. And also all that generation were gathered under their fathers. And there arose another generation after them which knew not the Lord, nor the works which he had done for Israel. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. Listen to this. And he delivered them into the hands of spoilers that spoiled them. And he sold them into the hands of their enemies round about so that they could not any longer stand before their enemies. So here's Joshua. He was mentored well, but the next generation failed. Failed. It actually made me think of the Thessalonian believers you remember the Thessalonian believers and their testimony Paul writes to the Thessalonians and he's writing to them about this idea of discipleship and he recounts at the beginning of first Thessalonians their testimony And he says your testimony was so powerful that everybody in this region learned about Jesus Verse number eight for from you Sounded out the word of the Lord not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith is spread abroad so that we need not speak anything. Paul says, we show up at towns and you've already preached the gospel. They've already heard about Jesus. They already have their questions answered. Your testimony is that powerful. May that be the model of First Baptist Church of Wixom. Amen? Let's try that again. Okay, so we're comparing Joshua failing in his leadership and the Thessalonian believers actually discipling the next generation so that they reach their entire area. May that be the model at First Baptist Church of Wixom. Amen? Amen. That doesn't happen by accident. That happens by an entire generation saying, we're not going to fumble the ball. We're not going to drop the baton. I want to, as your pastor, I want to provide two things to the church Regarding future leadership. And I want to challenge you to think this way about your ministry as well. This is not just for pastoral ministry, this is for everybody's ministry. If you're working in the nursery, if you're on the greeting team, you work with children, you work on the bus, you work in Wixom Christian School, you're in some other kind of ministry, the music ministry, this is for every single person at First Baptist Church. I want to provide two things. The first thing is this I want to provide. A Brad gets hit by a bus plan. Are you with me? You know what that is, right? That's when Brad gets hit by a bus, okay? Or something else suddenly takes me away from my ministry illness, an accident, something. I'm gone tomorrow. I want a Brad gets hit by a bus plan. And here, I'm just really grateful that our young men are ready to preach. Does that comfort you? It comforts me. When I became pastor, I wished our previous pastor had done this for me. The question was asked of me that week that our previous pastor resigned. Brad, can you preach on Sunday morning? And I had to answer honestly. I don't know. I've never tried. I've never had the opportunity. And it wasn't necessarily our pastor's fault. I hadn't asked for the opportunity. But that wasn't being cheered on. It wasn't being encouraged. I don't think it was even being thought of. It just brings me great comfort. Sometimes in the middle of the night, on Saturday night, I'll wake up and I'll be like, Oh, do I feel sick? Uh, Right? Like some of you. (laughs) Do I feel sick? Can I go? Can I preach? You know what? It's fine. If I can't, one of the young men can do it. They're ready. They're ready to go. That brings me great comfort. That is the the hit-by-the-bus plan. Do you have a hit by a bus plan in your ministry? You should, I think, have it. Secondly, I'd like a planned, healthy pastoral transition. Someday I'm going to resign as pastor. And no doubt the church is going to look for candidates to become the senior pastor of this church. I would like for the church to have some options here as well as elsewhere. To be able to look at young men and say, hey, we got some guys here who understand the ministry. They should be considered as well. So I just want to ask you, do you have these things? Number one, let's ask it three ways. Number one, do you have a ministry? If you don't have a ministry, you should be serving in some way in the church. okay? Number two, do you have a a hit-by-a-bus plan? What happens if you're taken out tomorrow? Is there somebody ready to step up? And thirdly, do you have a long-term transition plan? Not so that you can... Just sit back and go into critique mode and I'll let somebody younger handle it and I'll just sit back and tell them how they're doing it wrong. You know, not not so you can do that, but so that your faith and your ministry outlives you. All of us should be doing this. Will the next generation be ready or will it be floundering? You see, the point is not any particular leader. The point is not any particular team of leaders. The point is we have to hold up the head Jesus Christ and when the next generation is not ready we fall we we flounder we drop the ball and we don't appropriately hold up Jesus for the world around us to see so in conclusion I just want to ask you three questions about these points in this passage do you have some sons in the faith some daughters in the faith can you list them Outside your own children, they they better be coming along in your faith and ministry behind you. But what about others? Can you list them? Maybe you need to start looking around. Our study guide today and the questions on our study guide will help you with this. Where can I look? Who should I be encouraging in ministry? Who should I come alongside and just cheer along? That's number one. Number two, what are you doing to encourage their faith and their ministry Are you teaching someone to uh, authentically follow Jesus? Are you teaching someone to take the gifts they've been given and serve the church? Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Would you not neglect the gift you've been given? He was cheering him on. I think sometimes as parents and sometimes as leaders... We cheer on the wrong things, right? Like, hey, wow, you're super athletic. Keep it up. Um, Hey, wow, you're super talented. You're super smart. What about this? You have a gift. How are you going to use that to serve Jesus? How can I help you as the adult in your life to cheer you on, to show you how to use that gift to serve Jesus you see, it's not about telling young men and young ladies that they're all that in a bag of chips, right? That's not what it's about. There's probably too much of that. It's about helping young people see their giftedness and saying, hey, you know it's all about Jesus, right? It's all about Jesus. So this gift that you've been given, how are you going to use it? How are you going to advance the priorities of Jesus with your giftedness? I have to show that by example first, but then I need to identify them and cheer them on. Thirdly, are you mentoring someone in the art of mentoring? You know, we tend to get caught up in the wrong things. Did you know that? We tend to get caught up in the wrong things. I don't think our church necessarily has a problem with this, but just Christianity in general, we, we spend a lot of energy on the things that, that Jesus didn't say we are supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be doing three things in general. They are making new disciples, secondly, integrating them into church life, and thirdly, teaching them everything Jesus said. Those are our primary jobs. Now, there's some other things that we can do, but those are the primary goals. Um, But sometimes our sense of busyness or the immediate need in front of us or the drama surrounding someone else's issue gets in the way of our core objectives. Can I just remind you this morning, graciously, we are not called primarily to obsess over other people's issues. Did you know that? We are not called primarily to pick sides. In fact, we're not called at all to pick sides and create a fight. We're not called to gossip or complain about how things are handled. This is so tempting for a church. And I'm not saying... I'm not protecting the the leadership team and complaints against them. I'm just saying in general, it's just really easy for us to say, I don't like that. I don't like that. I do that differently. Rather than focusing our attention on those three priorities, making disciples, integrating them into church ministry, and teaching them all the things that Jesus commanded. Our job is to mentor others spiritually. Now this temptation it's actually come up recently in this church. Can I encourage you, if you have gotten something that's distracted you away from the goal, can I encourage you to avoid discussing problems unless you're the solution? Avoid dis- or unless you're bringing biblical counsel as a solution, avoid discussing problems and focus on spiritual growth. No gossip, no prying, I want to know more details, give me the dirt, no drama, just Jesus' character. Just Romans chapter 8, verse 29. I'm not talking about sweeping problems under the rug and not dealing with them, I'm talking about not grabbing other people's problems and making that my priority. My priority as a church member is to love Jesus and encourage you to love Jesus. Just love Jesus. Love Jesus. Let's walk closer with Jesus. Let's get some things right with Jesus. Let's confess our sin to him. Let's magnify him better. That is the goal. That's Romans 8.29. It's so easy to, between Romans 8.28 and Romans 8.29, insert my own agenda or my own interest or my own gossip or my own need for details. It's way better to just say, you know what I want to do? I want to promote Jesus. Jesus. My life, your life, everyone's life, and to make that the priority of the church. You've seen this happen before. If you're any kind of a sports fan, you've seen it happen where two guys are going at it, and they're not paying attention to the game. You with me? This happens a lot of times in basketball, sometimes in football, where two players just get it out for each other, and all they can think about is paying the other one back, right? Now, is that the goal of a game? Maybe hockey. Or boxing, right? That is not the goal of basketball or football. What's the goal of basketball or football? Score points, right? That's it. You're supposed to score points and keep your opponent from scoring points. Score points. Now, there's some things you have to do in order to score points, but it's very easy to get distracted by all the other stuff, the drama. How easy is that? If you've ever played sports, you know how easy it is, okay? You're playing basketball and somebody does you dirty, right? All you can think about, when can I get them back? Right? And you forget your job is to score points. As Christians, we sometimes do the same thing in the church. Something happens and we get wrapped up in it. Whew, I need to know more details. I need to, to, to get the, the skinny on this. I need to talk to some people. I need to get a coalition together. I need to, to do all these things. And we forget that's not how the church, forgive this metaphor, but that's not how we score points. That's not how we win. That's not our goal. The goal is the priorities of Jesus. Make disciples, integrate them into church life, teach them everything that Jesus has commanded. This is the goal. Advancing his word, his church, his kingdom. Would you, as a church, consider these three things that Paul does as an example and ask, do I do these things? I'm going to pray, then we're going to move into our uh, meeting. I promise it will be short but I would encourage everybody to say this is really important for church life and to kind of understand what it is that we're doing today. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this time we can be together. We thank you for your word. Thank you for the example of Jesus and the Apostle Paul. We ask that you would help us, help us as we think through these truths and help us as we move into this time of business that we think through these clearly and that we celebrate what you're doing in the lives of our young, young men, young leaders in this church. We thank you for it, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Jesus, you alone, I've searched
1: the world for a love.
0: shed your blood for salvation. You broke the curse for our freedom. Oh, Jesus, you were
3: Most important thing our church can communicate with you is the gospel message. The word gospel means good news. The trouble with most good news is that it isn't really good until you see it relative to bad news. The discovery of a new cure isn't all that helpful unless you or a loved one has the disease that it cures. In the same way, the good news of Jesus is good. When it is understood in relation to the bad news of our own sin. We are all sinners. That's the disease we are all born with. And Jesus is the cure. The good news that everyone can live forever with God in heaven, not because of anything we can do, but because of what Jesus did in our place. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The truth that everyone, everywhere, at all times in history needs to hear is that salvation is only possible by putting our faith in Jesus Christ alone. There's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Would you put your faith in Jesus Christ today? Would you be willing to pray something like this and mean what you pray from your heart? Dear Lord, I know I'm a sinner and I know I can do nothing to earn forgiveness and make myself right with you. Instead of dying for my own sins, I want to trust Christ and his death on the cross as payment for my sins. I want to repent from doing things my way and make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life. The Bible tells us that those that repent from their sin and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ in this way shall be saved. Would you believe on him today? And if you did trust Christ today, if you did pray a prayer like the one suggested a moment ago and you really meant it, would you let us know? We want to help you grow in your understanding of the good news of Jesus Christ. Maybe you have more questions about putting your faith in Christ and we have great resources to help you with that. The Exchange Bible Study is a four-week study on the character of God that will answer most of your questions about the gospel. We have men and women ready and waiting to go through that with you, in person or virtually, depending on your situation. Maybe you put your faith in Christ today, or, or maybe you did years ago, but you feel like you've not grown in your faith. We want to help you with that as well. We have literally hundreds of helpful resources and dozens of believers ready to walk with you through them. Let us know how we can best encourage your journey of faith in Christ using one of the contact methods listed below. Jesus Christ loves you and wants to spend eternity with you. May God bless you as you seek to live your life for his honor and for his glory.